Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about this topic, how to prepare yourself for having a child. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, your preparation starts way before you ever decide to have children. Um, From the moment you walk into a particular lineage, because your child is really the extension of that same lineage. So as a parent, living your life, you either come you know, unwind the karmic knots or you create new ones. You know, there's no really, um, I guess sometimes you don't do either of those, but that's very unlikely. So from the time you drew your first breath, you've in essence been already preparing to have a child. Um, Essentially, the karmic program that you have that karmic imprint of you and your ancestral line that you have by the time that you conceive of you know conceive that child is basically something that will be passed on to that child so you know if you've been living a um a life that enabled you to work through some of the ancestral trauma and do some, you know, cleaning of the trauma or even do some work with your ancestral line, trying to perfect it. In essence, you what you have been doing subconsciously is you have been preparing the road um, for the one that's going to come through you as your child. Now, it is important for both the father and the mother to do the work, not just one of the parents, because... Your combined ancestry and your combined karma is the one that would be passed on to the child, or rather, it would essentially inherit both. So, you know, if if you are the person that has been doing a lot of self-development work, um, you know, self-help, sometimes I call it, chances are the karma that you pass on to your children would be lighter than the one that has been passed on to you. I think that for a parent, for any parent, they would feel like they're doing a good job if they were able to work through some of those karmic lessons, you know, without passing on that imprint. But let's say that, you know, at this point, you're you're considering um, a child, right? So, which means that we're pretty much in this last mile segment before con- conception, before conceiving. Yeah. Um, there is, I guess, only so much you could do at this point, right? Mm. <laughs> it's really like you don't really have 30, 40 years to work through things. 
you know there's always more things to work through um there's like that work is never over so i guess some of the things that i can talk to you about today would represent the things that you could do if you're a little bit tight pressed on time you don't necessarily have a decade what would that mean kind of like a year or less than a year ideally you would start prepping two to three years in advance um but a year before conception is better than nothing right yeah sounds like most uh humans start thinking about um a child after they've already conceived him or her not before that's again the majority yeah um now some life preparation might take place and you know people mostly prepare their bodies right uh which is i guess one way to prepare but that is not the only way and definitely not the most important way because your body is always going to be by your physical body is going to be a byproduct of everything else that is happening or rather a reflection of that so if you are on that last mile stretch and you don't necessarily have a lot of time there are a few boxes that you need to check off right and need to check off quickly first and most important one is to heal the relationship with both of your parents if that is in in any way damaged or especially if you don't feel like you have a relationship right so for those people that had a big fight with one of their parents who are existing in the state of not accepting one of their parents or not loving one of their parents or you know any of the other negative emotions there is like a whole slew of emotions that you could be a feeling in a relationship to your parent and they could be feeling in their relationship to you. The reason I'm saying that this is like the most important box to check off is a because this is a box that can be checked off fairly quickly within a year. Those types of relationship don't require a decade to fix. But also the partic- this particular imprint is going to be the one that impacts your future child the most. Hmm. So if you as a parent and don't have a good relationship with your mother either parent doesn't really matter what you would be passing on to your child is some structural trauma around women or motherhood or you know anything related to that um so it's it's like a broken maternal link so in essence you're signing up for a life where you cannot be close to your child in the same way that you cannot be close to your close to your parent one of your parents So fixing those relationships is incredibly paramount. And I would say it is even more important for women to fix their relationship with their mother and for men to fix their relationship with their father because these are the ones that get copied the most into the new human. Right? So you want to heal as much trauma, as much misunderstanding, if you ever felt unloved, etc., etc. Now depending on what that experience is you might have very different way of solving for it and frankly I might not have the time here to go over all kinds of trauma but this is the first place you should start if you want to have a healthy baby. Mhm. Now don't worry if your 
parent is deceased you know just the fact that they're dead doesn't mean that your connection to them is gone or that you cannot fix the issue right Mm -hmm. the easiest way to fix the issue between a parent and a child is to talk to them if your parent is alive talking to them in person would be the best way to solve for it if your parent is dead talking to them via meditation or writing them a letter either way right so talking to them working out your differences sharing how certain things that they did made you feel etc etc right mm-hmm. so that is the first place that i would start is fixing the relationship and not like surface level fixing you know how a lot of humans like there's like at face value i tolerate my parents but i really don't love them the true healed relationship is a relationship where you feel an infinite amount of love to each of your parents you know like as if nothing can ever extinguish that love or nothing can ever like fully uh, take it away right so that infinity of love and if you don't feel that that means that there are certain things around that aspect that are unhealed now chances are if you're having an issue with one of your parents your parent also had an issue with that relationship that same parent right because you are you have walked into a lineage and you know it's a little bit of a domino effect so what you want to do potentially is also some ancestral healing on top of just talking to your parent and working through your own relationship um, in a meditative state, you could also you could almost imagine your family tree, right? And a slew of broken relationships. Say you're a woman and you're experiencing, um, like you feel like your relationship with your mom is very distant. Like she was, you know, either absent or maybe didn't care enough about you or like worked all the time, what have you. So you want to see. You know, look back at your lineage and you want to see to what degree the different women in your lineage experience the same thing. And you would be able to tell how many generations back that problem uh, was created, right? So basically you want to imagine like a line of women, like light beings, mom, mother and daughter, mother and daughter, all connected to each other, like Uh, kind of like as as the links of the same chain and the very healthy links you know are going to be very strong it's almost like you know the chain is very healthy and then if the relationship is a little bit eroded or you know there's something about it that's broken you're either not going to notice a link between two humans which is very rare or you're going to see something that's very you know crooked or thin um just basically not healthy and strong so on an energetic level you want to mend those relationships so you want to bring the women together going as far back as you need to in your lineage sometimes it's five generations 10 generations up to 20 yeah you know it could be more depending on how deep rooted something is right and you really want to walk out of that experience with having like a really beautiful chain of women kind of like holding hands right where all of them are, are happy to be part of that lineage because that is the lineage you would be bringing your child into 
And uh, basically, you know, using the same type of meditation, you can pretty much fix all kinds of interrelational issues within your um, ancestry line. So first things first, right? Um, Heal that relationship with your mother and your father. Then what you need to do is to make sure you come into your own power as much as is possible. Because your child is only going to grow as strong as your support structure that you have for them. And unfortunately with women um, and men on this planet, they don't always know the source of their own strength or are connected to it. So think of it as building a house um, where the foundation is built on a swamp or quicksand. You know, that house is going to keep sinking into uh, the ground. So when you as a parent don't have a strong foundation, it meaning the roots, it's very hard for you to have very healthy branches. And in essence, your children are going to be your branches. So the coming into power for someone, again, could be a lifetime, lifelong journey. But if we're on a fast track, you know, if we don't have forever to fix things, here's a little hack. So there are different elemental energies that the two genders are connected to and can draw their strength from. So for women, the energy is water. For men, in this particular instance, the energy would be that of a mountain or a rock. Now, this has nothing to do with feminine and masculine energies. That's a little bit different. It's not quite the same, right? Like air, water, earth. Um, It's a little bit different. But basically, um, if a woman is water, um, kind of like, you know, fluid and flowy, and every man is a rock, and you actually guys have that in your language, saying that your husband is your rock. Hmm. Um, If the man is your rock or mountain, you know, what you want to examine is, you know, your relationship, your respective relationship. So women need to examine their relationship with water in the same way that men need to examine their relationship with mountains. I'll give you an example of healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships. Women who are okay, connected, and healed as far as their femininity, love water in all of its aspects, meaning They're not scared of the ocean or the sea. They're not scared of drowning. They're not scared of swimming. They can swim really well. They are fundamentally drawn to different water bodies. They... um, Basically would welcome an opportunity to be close to water whatever that water looks like it doesn't have to it could be salty it could be 
basically it could be anything from the ocean to the sea to the brook to the river doesn't really matter any body of water right so that like a healthy relationship for a woman that has healed her femininity would be the welcoming of this particular type of energy now all the women that you know are scared of diving or swimming all of those things or are scared of drowning there is something about their femininity that they're rejecting there is something about their feminine ancestral line that's hurting right so you want to examine your relationship with water because that would be a big 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 signifier of what you need to fix and how healed you are to like this particular aspect of yourself in other words do you have a strong foundation on which to build your tree your own family tree is your foundation shaky right now every woman also as her source of abundance has her own personal body of water most women on this planet are completely unaware that if they were to figure out what is that one body of water that represents their own personal abundance um they could really overnight change their life and change their relationship with all things abundance so one quick way i guess one, one way to find out what is the body of water um that represents you and your uniqueness is asking that question in a meditative state right uh, literally generally the first body of water that comes to mind would be the right one it could be a lake it could be a river it could be an ocean it could be a sea doesn't really matter it could be a waterfall any big natural body of water could be the source of your personal strength it could be something uh you know in the country where you were born or somewhere completely elsewhere in you know on earth generally speaking though because throughout our lives we're getting signs and signals for what our own body of water is you know any woman that is curious about it by age 18 has already heard the name of that body of water right because it has been communicated to her over and over again So don't be worried that oh it it's going to be some nondescript river in Asia that you've never heard of for instance because that is not going to be the case. You would have always 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 heard of your type of uh body of water. And then once you find out which one it is, you want to connect to it. You want to connect to the soul aspect of that body of water. You could actually also research it, you know, google it, how was it formed, you know, what does it do? You know, if it if it's a river, is it shallow and calm or is it a mount, mountainous type river that is very flowy and, you know, dangerous and treacherous? Because that would tell you a lot about actually you, that's one, b your power. Right? Mm-hmm. Um so it's also advisable for a woman to at least once in her lifetime visit this this body of water visit this um place 
actually dipping her toes and uh, so dipping her feet and dipping her hands into the body of water to fully connect although um, you know women would generally draw the energy from uh, the water with their hands right that's how you charge water with your hands that's how you draw energy from it so that's for women for men um, you want to first examine your relationship to the concept of a mountain or a mountain chain, you know, specifically around heights. Mm. So if you are scared of heights, if you don't quite trust that feeling, if that does not feel calming and soothing and cozy to you, actually, I know you, you've... You probably are, are unaware, but the, the fear of heights is predominantly a masculine fear. Um, and it is because on the pinnacle of the mountain, by, by definition, you are up top, right? You, you are at a vantage point. So actually, one way to determine your relationship with the mountain is determining you know, what your relationship is with height. So if you're comfortable being up high, if you're not worried about it, doesn't scare you, um, that probably means you have a balanced, healthy relationship with your masculinity. But uh, in the same way that women have a body of water, every man has a mount or a mountain that kind of calls his name, right? So... In the same way that, that women would need to go to that body of water, first men need to determine what that mountain is. You know, that mountain chain or specific peak that calls their name. And again, like every man would be getting different signs uh, about the name of this uh, particular mountain, the name of this particular peak throughout their life. So even though it might be something that is really hidden and tucked away in terms of a mountain, every man would encounter the name of this mountain a few times in their life. It's almost like that mountain wants to be found, right? So the level of uh, basically what, what you want to do as, as a man is physically travel to that destination once you find out what your mountain is. And then you really want to connect. And the way that men connect with the mountain is actually... So you could, you know, obviously touch it with your hands. And then it's the touching of the mountain with your hands. And connecting with it in your third eye area is the thing that solidifies your connection with the mountain. So you almost want to see the mountain with your transcendental vision. So you can even, you know, when you're there, you want to tap your forehead in the way where you have, in the space where you have your third eye. And you want to connect that to the very heart of the mountain. There is such a thing as the heart of the mountain. Looking into the heart of the mountain, you get to know the mountain. So the mountain, the true soul aspect of the mountain, mountain is never outside or at the peak. It's always inside. So you really want to get to know your your personal mountain. What is it about? You know, ask it. How is it different than everything else? Why was it created? 
what are its aspirations. That process of connecting to the mountain can take hours. So you really want to take your time getting to know this mat this majestic natural landscape. And then you also want to let the energy of the mountain straight from its heart its heart fill you inside. And what you would notice, it's almost like feeling of being grounded and strong and standing on your own two feet and not being alone and feeling heard and understood and supported in more ways than one it's almost like inside you have this little like hollow place that can only be filled by the energy of that mountain and cannot be filled by anything else in this world and so you want to come into your own because as the future father, you know, you want to represent stability. You want to represent confidence. Um, you know, this, this safety for your future child. So in the same way that, you know, a mom would pass on her emotional flow and the flow of abundance through the energy of the river to her child, the father energy and entity would communicate the feeling of stability and confidence and and calm, you know, calm confidence to their child. So if you yourself don't have that, you're not going to be able to pass that on to your child. Hmm. And so, you know, in the absence of masculine energy, the child it would be very hard for the child to find their way in life. Um, they would, you know, be forever wandering. Like, oh, I don't know why I came here to do. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't like my job. Or, you know, this doesn't feel right. Nothing feels right. Um, that is actually an example of a child that did not have a father with a strong core. Um, if a woman does not do a good job connecting to the river, you're going to have a child that's forever struggling, uh, you know, with things like poverty or not having enough or being too rigid with their thoughts and feelings, you know, too black and white. It's actually a very hard place to be or a very hard state to be. The better state to be is the flexible state. That is a more easier state. That's a much easier state. Um, and the same thing. So like if a woman doesn't unlock her abundance, she's not going to be able to pass it on to her child, which basically means like condemning that child to a life of not having enough until the child is going to have to figure out that abundance in and of themselves, which might or might not happen. Hmm. Right. So again, like important, it's very important to make sure that you have your own core. Yeah. Um, and your own strength. And I think it's important that a man um, doesn't have to climb this mountain, right? No, but no, you don't have to climb the mountain, no. But you need to be close enough to it where you can connect with it. Right. Right. So you need to be able to touch it, not, mm -hmm. you know, you can touch it anywhere, really. And yeah. it might feel like touching the ground but it's okay mm -hmm. and then it needs to be you need to be outside of touching it you also need to be 
at a vantage point, meaning somewhere in the vicinity of the mountain where you can see all of it. So mm. a little bit from a distance. That is how you're going to be able to connect to the heart of the mountain, because actually it's very hard to connect to the heart of the mountain when you are, uh, you know, at the level below the mountain. What if you are at the top? Uh, possible. Uh, better from the top than from the bottom. Even better from the side. Oh, even better from the side when you see the entire mountain. Yeah, when because you see when you're at the top, you see just the top. <laughs> yeah, when you're at the top, you see the top. But also the, at the same time, when you're at the very top of the mountain, you are connected with the <laughs> the spinal cord of the mountain, right? Or the the chakral um, tree of the mountain, which means you can connect to any part of the mountain from the top. Mm -hmm. Got it. But no, you don't necessarily have to climb it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In the same way that you don't necessarily have to swim in, in your personal like body of water. Yeah. You can just like put your feet in there, put your hands. Mm -hmm. It is also advisable to, before bringing a child into this world, to do an exercise of forgiveness. Very often we, you know, humans develop grudges that really solidify themselves into the emotional body. And this actually has a very detrimental effect on the little child in the first five years of their life. So they would quite literally develop, you know, they, they would inherit a grudge and depending on the soul, you know, they might feel very, very uncomfortable with it. It's kind of like walking into tarnished energy. Hmm. So what you want to do is you want to examine all of the people that you still haven't forgiven. And then you want to make a list of all of the people and all of the actions. And then you really, from the bottom of your heart, you're kind of like gathering all of your love and all of your understanding and all of your compassion for why they might have acted a certain way. You know, having this true, um, like almost like taking like a more gracious approach that you generally would. You really want to forgive them and then you want to burn that piece of paper that lists all the grudges, right? Just burning the piece of paper without the act of forgiveness though is not going to work. That's like cheating, hmm. right? So you really want to forgive people who wronged you, organizations, actually, not just people. Um, you definitely want to do that. Mm. And most importantly, last but not least, you want to forgive yourself. Right? Hmm. Because the action of blaming and diminishing yourself for certain things that you've done in the past is the one that creates the most toxicity for your future baby. And that is the one thing that is most in the way of that baby becoming their best, most perfect self. So mm -hmm. you want to forgive yourself. And what you want to do is cultivate the love for yourself. Every aspect of your body you know, whether it's perfect or not, like every aspect of your life and things that surround you. So in general, the more you approach 
everything about your life with a tint of love, right? The better it is for your future child. Do you maybe want to ask other questions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would just keep going. Uh, but let's see, for example, when you bring a child or like when you're preparing to bring a child uh, to this world, is there like any role that your parents play other than just forgiving them and healing their relationship? like with mother, father, and sisters, and brothers? Back in the day when there was a tribal culture, um, everybody, like the whole village, was participating in bringing the child to life. Um, all of the people were contributing their unique energies, and it was almost like everybody was donating a little thread to make sure that that child comes together in the best possible way. You have, in some ways, um, adopted that that type of... So that basically, in, in the collective memory of humanity, you still remember your tribal culture a little bit. And so you would have things like baby showers today, mm. which is actually an equivalent of that old way of forging the path to the child now of course now you have baby showers when the baby's literally on the way which in our opinion is a little after the fact yeah um so the village would actually you know as soon as the couple would get married it would be understood that they're on the path to having children right so they found their match and that is when you know the different people would be contributing their threads and the newlywed couple would walk around you know the village and each of the uh of their neighbors would contribute something to the child right um and you know there there were multiple like it was just basically they would just have to touch the couple and you know this little strand would pass on to a child for instance it could be something like oh like you know you'd come to a neighbor and they're a great painter and you know, you really want your child to be artistically driven, so you could ask that painter to contribute, like a little, a little strand of their creativity to the future child. So, baby showers of today is actually a little bit of a similar approach, right? So, generally, you would have women come together, and you would have the, you know, each one bearing gifts, which is actually a more materialistic way uh, of kind of like redoing the same ritual but the mother unbeknownst to her generally you know she's very selective in regards to who attends that baby shower because the collective energy of that group is going to completely impact (coughs) is going to completely impact um, that future child right so in in some ways that future child is adopting more than one mother right which is not necessarily to say that they join all of these lineages but the energy of this woman is also going to be supporting that child now of course in the old days part of your own village were all of your family members 
Mm. And they're the ones that contributed the most. And even today, sometimes during like baby showers, you would invite, you know, your, your mothers or, you know, your parents sometimes very rarely, not enough in, in our opinion. So what grandparents can do, uh, technically all of grandparents um, contribute something to that future child. The problem is right now they mostly contributed subconsciously. There is a way to contribute consciously, which is probably a better way of doing it. So the way you could do that is by having a little ceremony, right? You could invite your parents from both sides and then some other relatives also. And you could sit together in a circle and hold hands. And what you want to do is go person by person by person where each relative almost like makes a wish, you know, for that future child, wishing them something. And then passing on some type of gift to them. Whether that's a physical object or like more of a mental construct, doesn't really matter. Right? All the physical objects, you know, that are given would then be passed on to a child when the child once the child is born. And so you're sitting in a circle, again, holding hands is very important because that creates almost like a welcome circle for the new soul to be grounded into this earth, right? And this well wishes made in a circle actually have almost like a magic power, right? And so they would tend to attract exactly the things that are being wished upon that child. If you think about... Um, what is that story? Um, the Sleeping Beauty, I believe. The, the one with... Um, yeah, the Sleeping Beauty. The one with Maleficent. Mm -hmm. They had a little bit of the same ritual. And again, like all of your stories, you know, they contain hints and tips on how things used to be done. And if you remember, there are fairies, right, that wish upon a child and, and like gift something to the child. And then, of course, there's Maleficent that, you know, creates this prophecy where the child is going to prick her finger, etc., etc. But this does give you an understanding that basically, um, you know, words are really powerful. And they're ever so powerful, uh, you know, as far as like a little new life is concerned, right? And by the way, you don't have to be a fairy, to pass on a blessing or a curse to a child. So you have to be really careful with all of your thoughts and all of your manifestations. Um, so that is how, you know, like the ideal way that your parents would participate is through this ritual. Um, but you do it before the child was conceived. Yes, right? ideally. But if it's too late, Meaning, if you're already pregnant, yeah. that's fine to do it after as well. Before the child is born, though, is the, the most important way. Mm -hmm. the, the most lucrative, let's just say. Just because magic of that nature takes a little time to get grounded, right? The energies on the planet have really shifted. It used to be that you can just bless a child when they're born. Now it's actually like the energies are less dense before somebody comes into their body. So they're... 
it's almost like preparing a space for them and it's easier if you do before if you do that before their birth hmm. now another interesting thing um and you want to start that maybe about six months before you're trying to conceive is uh, changing your self-talk so you have to really watch your negative self-talk and that is not only relating to the mother of the child but also the father so negative self-talk actually creates incredible toxicity within the body and that toxicity does not go away so fast so it actually really creates a toxin inside almost like a poison and despite the fact that the parent is used to the poison, it doesn't kill it. It can be very, very, very detrimental to the child. Right? Hmm. So things that you are unhappy about yourself with, and that is connected to when I, you know, when I was talking earlier about like forgiving yourself. You know, that is a little bit related to that, but it goes above and beyond. Because you might not necessarily blame yourself, but if you if you keep talking negative to yourself, like, ooh, you're such a loser, you're never gonna make it happen, or oh, like, oh my god, like you're gonna lose your job and you know, things like that. Like negative self-talk comes in all kinds of different shapes and forms. So you really want to, for the sake of your future child, cut as much of that out as is possible and give your body a chance to detox. Another thing you want to do is start charging your water with the intention to bring through you the best possible, most perfect, healthiest child. So whatever child that you wish to have, right, which is not necessarily programming the attributes. I strongly recommend to not program somebody's personality. But you want to, you know, program other things like, okay, like I want a healthy child, you know, I want a happy child, etc, etc, right? So you can actually program your water for that. Because as you drink the water, it's going to completely reshape your cells, all the cells in your body to be most welcoming to that new life, right? So that those cells... Um, can then manifest a new being. If you think about it, why is the cell, cellular level so important? Initially, the child on the physical level is just two cells merging with each other. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if every cell of your body has been charged with, quote-unquote, holy water, then the first two cells that give life to that being are, by definition, pure. And so by definition, something that's pure creates a very pure life. Hmm. You know this expression, garbage in, garbage out? Yeah. So the state that you are in is going to completely initially dictate the state of your future child. So drinking that holy water specifically with the intention to bring forth the most healthy, happy child could go a long, long, long way for you. Hmm. Interesting, but it also means that your physical health uh, is important. It is. And like I said, that this is the one part that a lot of parents actually think about, thank God, right? So your actual physical aspects, like a lot of mothers, you know, if they're doing it the right way, they're going to go into a physical exam 
They want to make sure that their internal body systems are healthy. You know, they would, um, you know, a, a lot of mothers would exercise to make sure that the birth um, experience is as healthy as possible. So there is actually like prep work, but a lot of prep, prep work is happening in the physical. What I'm saying is not enough is happening in the spiritual yeah. like in the lighter bodies and like all the other work that is actually going to impact the baby more so than some of the other things that you're doing you know other types of prep work like women stop drinking alcohol you know stop stop doing drugs you know it's all the the same part of like making sure that your baby has the best possible home for nine months right um and that's why like actually prepping your physical is not the most um hidden aspect this is something that humans at least think about. Hmm. If you look at the pie chart and say that this is how much physical contributes, uh, this is how much like metaphysical contributes. Yep. Uh, what would be the physical contributes ratio? about thirty percent, and the rest is spiritual. different levels of spiritual. Yeah, different aspects of spiritual and ancestral. And um, you said that it's basically should take maybe like the entire life or like kind of before you conceive a child, right? This kind of preparation. Um, But when you do it within like a year, two or three, how much of this you can kind of cover? It depends uh, the state that you begin with. Some people begin very pure and some people begin very polluted. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't deter you from doing the work. Yeah. Because any work that you do is going to pay off. Right. Yeah. Okay. And um, again, for physical, um, still it's 30%, but I think in our current um, state, usually... uh, women prepare themselves what about men men should also prepare themselves because they're the seed yeah but i i think there there is a belief that it's kind of uh women should prepare themselves because they carry a child yeah uh but the man kind of doesn't matter well there are some very very basic rules like you really want to make sure that you're not breeding toxicity in your body as a as a future father and something like that six months before you're ready to conceive is a good place to start if not earlier right Mm. so all of the things that are toxic to you are going to be even more toxic to yourselves and you know your future child so the standard things like uh alcohol for instance heavy alcohol or smoking you know or detrimental you know or drugs um including pharmaceutical drugs you know like pills things Mm -hmm. like that that is a form of chemical toxicity that you willingly take in like painkillers um another thing and i as I say that, I understand that it's given the 
contemporary state of the world is pretty much impossible to avoid, but it's actually best uh, to not be in the city uh, <laughs> for, you know, starting six months before you choose to conceive throughout pregnancy, actually, uh, because that is actually the most optimal place for you to A, get rid of toxins, B, replenish your depleted energy, right? Because when you live in the city, all this toxicity from, you know, all the chemicals in there from the cars and, you know, the manufacturing plants and, you know, all of these other things, they all add up. And like, again, like you as an adult don't sense that, but your child would for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Watching the things that you eat Things like red meats, for instance, are, again, they they have a lot of toxicity and the energy of death. And that remains in your body for a good six to nine months after you consume it. Hmm. You want to make sure that there is ample chance for you to connect to nature, both as as a mother, future mother, and as a father, right? Connect to your elements in nature. Um, and another thing that is really, really, really hard to change about the current situation, but like stress levels, ensuring that there is as little stress in your life as is possible for both father and mother is very important. So again, yeah. like potentially the big city life is not ideal. And the same, the big city life is not ideal for raising a child. It's not ideal for trying to conceive one either. It's just a little less obvious. So uh, I think that most people have some kind of stress uh, in their work environment, right? So how can you kind of... So adopting meditative practices um, and doing so twice daily, even if you do five minutes in in the morning and five minutes in the evening. Mm-hmm. really relieving stress water is a great stress reliever you know taking regular baths regular showers you know making sure that you allow the water to take away the stress with it right yeah and then making sure that you're in nature as much as possible so really letting that stress like walking barefoot in nature takes away the stress from the soles of your feet right Mm -hmm. Um, If you're touching things like trees, that stress can leave from the palms of your hands. Or if you're just dipping your toes and and, uh, hands into any type of natural water, body of water, that is also helpful as well. Hmm. And um, that's interesting. And do you have any advice for a woman who wants to have a child, but she kind of doesn't have um, a man in her life. (laughs) Um, Can you be more specific than that? I mean, sometimes women want to have children, but they don't have... Are you asking about artificial insemination? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you want advice for artificial insemination? Yeah, is there any? 
artificial insemination is like playing the lottery where mm-hmm. you're pl- playing with the life of your future child right so it's not I, I wouldn't say it's the most deliberate way to um, create a, a child hmm. are there times and situations where that is the only option absolutely the thing is your father is literally about half right of the future of this child and you despite the fact that you're going to the sperm bank it doesn't really mean that your child is not going to inherit every single good and bad thing that happened in the lineage of that man right now because humanity is quasi asleep humanity human women are not amazing feeling and sensing the energy of the sperm donor through a picture. So your traditional way of selecting a father, you know, in in this particular situation, they'll show you the photo album. They'll tell you a little bit about the candidates. And I guess if you have transcendental vision, you you could look at the picture and be able to tell the karmic makeup of that human. But it is not as easy as when somebody is in front of you. You can smell them, you can touch them, you can feel them. Mm -hmm. Right? That's why I'm saying it's like playing a lottery. Unless you're really good, chances are you're going to select a father that's not necessarily optimal. Now, we could also argue that if it was your fate, quote-unquote, to have a child with an actual husband or boyfriend or what have you, it would have happened for you, right? So arguably, there was already something that was predestined and predetermined by your higher self, one of the contracts that you made, that this was going to be your path. Now, of course, selecting... So again, in, in other words, for some women, that might be their, the way that their life is going to go. And while this is not my favorite or most advisable way, because ultimately you're signing up for a life where your child is not going to have a role model, right? So they're still not going to feel fully supported by the masculine, even though the sperm cell that was donated might have come from a very mighty lineage of men. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no substitute for the physical presence of the father all throughout the nine months of pregnancy and the first about 11 years of somebody's life, right? If you miss out on, on, on that period, like the little boy or girl would never truly feel like grounded in, you know, as far as like having the masculine support. Now, of course, you could also be walking into a situation where with like a very, very, very heavy karmic debt, the advice that I can give to these women is to choose wisely, listen to their heart more so than their eyes, because the heart doesn't lie. And then once they have moved forward with the process, I recommend doing a lot of cleansing work on the lineage of the father. Now, it's not always easy, but it is possible. 
right? Hmm. Um, it is, let's say, a third party in this case, this woman, is never going to be able to do that cleanse all the way, but she can make it a little bit better. Because ultimately, she's still connecting herself to that lineage. And if you knew something about the role of the women in lineages, you would know that women are called into a lineage for cleansing it. That is the role of the women in any ancestral line. Hmm. Um, so any woman that is connecting herself through that sperm cell to that lineage, right? In essence, she also inherits the karma of that lineage. So it's kind of up to her to be able to cleanse it, right? You know, depending on how heavy that karmic debt is, women might start having weird dreams or certain things happen. Like, for instance, like a woman never lost a thing in her life. All of a sudden, like she lost three things back to back to back. And all, all that all that happened was, you know, um, her egg was fertilized by the sperm cell of this guy that she's never met. Hmm. And she's inherited that karma, haha, unbeknownst to her. So there are a slew of different instruments in how you can cleanse somebody's lineage. One quick way that I can recommend is imagining, imagining a village where the ancestors of your donor, sperm donors, like, I guess we can refer to that person as a father, right? And without, if we want to avoid uh, offending anyone. So you want to imagine a village where all the ancestors of, of that father live. And you can do like a quick scanning, you know, of like where they stand in relations to the dark and the light. Um, in the ideal situation, everything is perfect, which that also, how often does that happen, right? Not very often. Hmm. Uh, one thing that you can do that's very, very quick is, you know, you can line all of the ancestors up um, like in a little, um, in a little queue of sorts, right? And, um, you know, you can examine them, but most important is you want to cleanse them. And one way of doing that is causing it to rain holy water or like, you know, very light water in that village. So imagine like almost like a shower of like white, pure white and gold light you know, cleansing away all of the ancestors of, of, of this father figure and, you know, seeing them come to light and becoming like cleaner, mm -hmm. right? And all the dirt and the debris and the mud and everything just wa being washed away. And, you know, if, um, if the rain is not heavy enough, like you really want to increase the potency of that rain. And um, if that is actually sometimes, like depending on how deep or dark somebody's ancestry line is, you might need to dip them into water, completely like submerge them underwater. So if the shower is not working, because the shower is going to work for something that's like medium level, like small things here and there. Mm -hmm. um, but you might have certain people in that lineage being completely dark. Um, and then, I mean, of course, they might not, willingly go with you and then there's not much he can do but if they do and if they're open to being cleansed you can submerge them like almost like in a little lake mm -hmm. and imagine that lake just being sparkly and shimmery with this white beautiful white water you want to submerge them 
um, and just say something along the lines, um, you know, all of your sins and imperfections are cleansed. Um, and this is the wheel of God, source, the creator, however you want to say. And then you, you can just see them emerge out of water and then they're completely cleansed. Hmm. Right. So you definitely, if you don't know who the father is, you want to do some cleansing work, let me tell you. Because as much as you're playing the lottery with your child's future, at least stack the odds in your favor. Got it. That's At least really... don't go all in. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, how do you, how to get to know your baby's gender kind of before he or she is born? Oh, born. there's so many ways. Um, there is, you know, one way where you want to see the river of time. There is such a thing as the river of time, um, which is a fascinating construct given that time doesn't exist, but there is a river. Um, and it flows, right? And you could um, basically just walk up to that river in your meditation and you want to see what's coming through that river, right? And it's a little bit like fortune telling. It's a little bit like having, you know, your personal tarot deck. Um, and you might see all kinds of things come through the river. Uh, and they're all symbols, Right. And the river of time can show you, you know, very immediate future, very far future. So you have to be like a little bit careful with it. And, you know, as what, what I recommend you do is walk into that river up to the knee, right? And you want to connect with this particular pregnancy, right? Because it can be many pregnancies. And you want to ask the river to show you the gender of the child. And then you want to see what comes through in the stream of the river. Um, it could actually be a baby of a particular gender. And that could be your quick answer. Or it could be something that belongs to that baby. It could be a piece of clothing. That could be like a, a very, you know, quick giveaway of that, of who the baby is. Or it could be, you know, toys or something else. Like you would be able to tell what the gender is if, if you kind of pay attention to the river of time. That's one. I mean, there are others. Um, you could also imagine that you're an, a tree. <laughs> Bear hmm. with me. I, imagine that you're the tree. Um, and you have fruit that grows on your tree. And you almost want to imagine, you know, like the ancestral tree. Mm -hmm. Where, like, there are parents. And then there are, like, the, you know, you're as the child of your parents. If, if you want to see how many children you're going to have, you want to see how many fruit grow on that tree, hmm. right? And that'll show you how many fruit. And you would actually be able to tell from from the fruit what gender if each fruit is. You can be like, okay, like there are three fruit. The first one is a boy. The second one is a girl. The third one is a boy. Hmm. So it's actually almost like looking into the future of um, you know somebody that would look at you when you're in your old age. And look back, what would they see? Hmm. How many fruit did, did your tree bear? And you can see how many and which, uh, which gender. Hmm. That's cool. You can even see if they're all from the same father or different. Because if they're all from the same father, uh, they kind of like flow like very close to, to the trunk almost. 
and then um you know and it's also like almost like two trees intertwined and um sometimes you would have like the two fruit with one masculine tree (laughs) and then like another fruit would be with the other tree on the other side so you could tell like okay like the these these different fruit have different fathers Hmm. that's interesting and uh like a mother and a father can do this not just absolutely got it yep okay and uh is there a way you communicate uh with your future baby absolutely so there are some um souls that it is the easiest for us to communicate with right so despite the fact that most of humanity is not really telepathically communicating with anyone for that matter um but communicating with your future child is something that is inherent in in all of us this is about the easiest form of communication that you could have Uh, you could start communicating with your future child almost at any age like as soon as you want it doesn't have to be like three five (laughs) years before conception can be whenever honestly Mm -hmm. but their voice almost becomes louder as you approach the time when they're supposed to come into a body you almost want to think of you know your two souls being connected so there is an umbilical cord right that connects the mother and and and, um their child in the same way there are like some similar energetic cords that connect the future child with their father and mother figures on earth right because of that you can actually communicate with them and in the same way that you would you know make a friend you would want to try and make a friend with your future child and you can learn a lot about them so very often it's actually quite interesting so that communication happens either way like unbeknownst to people for instance you know there is like a knowing in parents sometimes like what their future child should be called mm-hmm. yeah sometimes like you didn't know you didn't know then like you woke up and you're like i know the name like mm-hmm. i feel it in my bones generally what that means is, is you've received communication from that child and they just told you what their name is hmm. that's why you know right and the uh, you know <laughs> um yeah so basically you want to ask them what their name is you know what name would make the most happy um you want to find out you know things like their favorite color so you could prepare you know their little room couldn't begin to tell you how many girls were annoyed that their rooms were pink and that's not not their favorite color <laughs> or blue for, for, for boys and that's not their favorite color or not their favorite shade like you could make that room and that little place where they're going to be spending the first uh, couple years of their life three years or whatever to be the most them right in the same way like parents are very removed from their children like even when you get them toys or like you, you buy things for them like most parents buy things because they like them but if they were connected to their child and cultivated that from before they were born they would intuitively know which of the things their child would have selected and that is actually a much better way to shop for your child Hmm. from the clothing to the little blanket to everything because ultimately you're not buying all of those things for you to be happy 
you should at least buy them for your child to be happy, right? So as you're, you know, setting up their little place and their first room and, and buying all of that stuff, you should buy that to please that baby. And for you to be able to know that, you have to know the child. You need to know the human, right? Mm-hmm. So communicating with them, asking them, you know, what type of food they, foods they like so that when being pregnant, you can eat those foods, what type of colors they like, what type of sounds they, they like. You know, sometimes your children would come through and they, they would start communicating to you that they need a particular animal next to them, hmm. like a protector almost. And it could be like a goat, <laughs> you know, so like you're going to have to like make it happen somehow. Yeah. All right. So your, your children would, uh, would communicate potentially a lot of things to you. Mm-hmm. So, and you do it in a meditative state. Yeah. But also this is, like I said, this is one of the easiest type of communications, mm-hmm. even those people that don't hear anything about from anyone like any type of telepathic communications slash 99.99% of humanity yeah they could still hear their child and you could hear your child with without the meditative state actually you know initially you would probably communicate to them through the meditative state but it doesn't have to be afterwards hmm. then you kind of already are connected to them got it yeah, you could even ask them, like, you know, like once you connect and then you go shopping and like you look at like blankets, you could ask them, which one do you want? It'll tell you. Hmm. Not the one that you want. Exactly. Right? It'll be all, can I want. have that yellow with like gummy bears, please? It'll be like, sure. Hmm. That's really cool. Okay. And um, so basically, uh, today we covered uh, this kind of basic scenario when you think about like having a child a year or two before right uh but for for example a couple that want to go all nine yards it's kind of can be much broader right as i understand or we covered like the most important topics i mean there is a lot about childbirth i mean so much Mm-hmm. Like there is a lot of forgotten lore and forgotten knowledge. Yeah. We we did cover the basics. There is always more about anything. Uh, for the couple that wants to go nine yards, yes, there is absolutely more things to do. And um, I want to understand what would be the benefit of going this nine yards? Like how would it well, it's, be different? Imagine bringing... So everything that happens to a child as they're from the day of their conception and the first couple of years of their, like since their birth, really sets them up on a certain trajectory in life or not. It is actually a lot easier for a child to be square, fair and square on their mission and aligned with their purpose, aligned with their higher self. If they don't discover, if they don't, if they're not faced with a lot of trials and tribulations in that very initial first period. So imagine being birthed and it's like a foreign terrain where everything wants to kill you. Everything is like not how you want it. Where your freedom is being limited, where your parents don't get you, 
where like you have to cry so hard for them to just figure out what it is that you want do you know all of these parents that like are really really annoyed by their baby crying yeah because they can't sleep well it's because they haven't cultivated that relationship prior to that child coming to life so they don't speak its language yet hmm. and if you only were to speak the language of your child you're not going to have to do half of the things that you do to your child so it only shuts up because your child is not your enemy your child was not born there so you could have sleepless nights and in fact, if you do have a relationship with your baby, if you start cultivating it early as opposed to later, you would be in complete unison with your child. You're not going to need a nanny. It'll be the most perfect baby. <laughs> but you're going to have to do, and like, including food, for instance, right? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, like, you need to breastfeed. But after breastfeeding, like, a lot of children throw tantrums because you don't give them the food they want to eat. And then they're like, well, they don't talk, so I'm giving them basically whatever I have. No, you have telepathic communication with that child. It's your freaking job as a parent to figure out what's missing in their life. And not just give them the, like, whatever you felt like today. Right. This pureed thing that they, they don't love. Hmm. Right. So the reason your child doesn't want to eat is because they're missing some other type of nutrient. They're not stupid. They know that what you're giving them is not going to serve them. Hmm. That's why they don't want to eat. So the last thing you want to do is force your child to eat the food that you put in front of him or her if they don't want to eat it. Hmm. Because that's not what they need. They need something else. That's interesting. Also, you know what happens very often why children uh, cry? Yeah. Is because they're not... Uh, getting the love that they want from their parents mm. so it's it's kind of like a, a vicious circle because you know the mom might be annoyed that the child like she's you know sleep deprived and all of that fun stuff and the baby's crying and the baby's hungry but the baby's not hungry for milk the baby is hungry for mom's love mm. and milk is just a way of getting it because the baby used to get mom's love through the umbilical cord and now depending on the umbilical cord like that energetic cord between mother and child not all of them are very functioning cords if it is a very well functioning cord then your child is going to be a happy child but if it's not the baby is going to toss and turn all night and then cry and wake you up and like you're mad at them but the only reason they are crying is because the only way for them to get your love is through getting your breast milk because basically in this particular instance if you were communicating with your baby the baby would tell you that what it needs from you is more love right and you could work on fixing that umbilical cord between you that energy cord you could rebuild it. You could give it more love. So the baby is not always malnourished and lacking in actual physical food. The first weeks of baby's life, they're basically the emotions that you give them, that energy frequency is more important to them hmm. than the food that you give them. Yeah. So that physical touch is very important, right? Uh, and what you do is you swaddle your baby so they don't get the physical touch. They need to be heart to heart. 
So they need to be like their bare body next to their mom's body. Hmm. You swaddle them, they can get that. They're angry, they're trying to tell you something, they cry. You're hmm. mad at them, they like don't allow you to sleep. <laughs> Again, quick example of that communication chain not being built between the mother and the child. Wow, yeah. I guess we have uh, more so, things to talk about. Absolutely, and like <laughs> bu building that pathway, like think about it like that, like first time you develop a connection with your child, it's like a little spark, like a thought, like a little spark. It's like a, such a thin thread, thin thread that anything can go and mess with it. If you talk to your child every day, which is what I recommend doing, like before they're born, like at least once a day, have a mm. conversation with them, hmm. if not more. All of a sudden it starts like, okay, like the, the neurons are firing back and forth, back and forth. All of a sudden you develop a pathway, right? All of a sudden you develop a communication that goes both ways. You want that to be as strong as a highway back and forth through how much communication. Because when that child comes and, you know, your physical starts getting in the, um, in between, you know, your more uh, mental communication, you really want that thread perfectly set up so that you understand your child right away. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. That's really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all this amazing information with us today. And um, now I'm going to end our session. And I'm very grateful for the information you provided us today. And uh, I'm asking the higher self to visit to where it belongs with much love and much thanks for the help and information it has been given Maria today. I know that our listeners are really going to appreciate this information. Now I want all the consciousness and personality of Maria to once again return and fully integrate back into the body completely.